following is a presentation of the Michigan Sports Network. Wednesdays on the Huge Radio Network are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. You can follow everything about high school sports 24-7 at MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, and MHSAA on Facebook. Wednesdays on the Huge Show are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Are you ready for huge opinions on the Lions, Tigers, Wings, Pistons, Michigan, MSU, and every sports team in the state of Michigan it's time for the huge show from the east side to the west side to the UP the huge show is on air statewide on the Michigan Sports Network voice your huge opinions now at 1-866-838-HUGE that's 1-866-838-4843 now the huge one Bill Simonson it is the huge show in full effect here on a Wednesday afternoon. All huge shows on every Wednesday brought to you by the MHSAA. Bill Simonson is off today. My name is Dan Hasty. Sitting in for Bill, we've got a lot to cover today. And unfortunately, it's not the news we wanted to be caught talking about. Because now the Detroit Tigers find themselves in a tough spot. The Detroit Tigers in the last 48 hours have lost not only Eduardo Rodriguez, he's on the injured list, so is Riley Green. The factory of sadness has opened for the Detroit Tigers. Now we have to find a way to pick up the pieces. So to help us do that is my good friend from Barstool Sports, Chris Castellani. If you are on Twitter, odds are you know CC. He joins us now. Chris, thanks for joining us, my friend. Good to hear from you. I appreciate the introduction, man. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like uh, I would have been a little bit more jovial if we did this interview two days ago, but uh, duty definitely calls. Happy to be on here. But I, look, the one thing I can say, it makes for some interesting discussion, I guess, about where the direction that this team is going. Uh, obviously, some devastating news, and we'll I'm sure we'll jump into it here in just a second. Yeah, so the news obviously coming out just a little while ago, Riley Green out indefinitely, a stressed fracture. On top of that, I learned about a brand new injury that I've never heard about with Eduardo Rodriguez. He's got an issue with one of his fingers. So you literally take this team that, as of 48 hours ago, was one game out of first place, one game under 500. Those still don't really line up together in my head. But yeah. that was the situation they were in. And now all of a sudden, the Tigers are not only without their best pitcher at the moment, but also their best position player. So... What does this do for you in terms of how your expectations continue to kind of guess kind of go along through the course of, of the season and how it dovetails with, you know, any hopes that you have at a potential postseason situation? Yeah. Well, look, even with um, these guys at full health, I uh, looking at the schedule, I felt like that White Sox series that they played at home, which was wonderful, was kind of the last breath that they're going to have for a while before they do a deep dive into playing some really good teams. And uh, that's been proven right so far against a really good Rangers team. So it's not so much like, oh, these these injuries are going to cost this team a shot at the postseason. Oh, these injuries are going to have long-term impacts. I know Green will come back fine. I think it's just this one and these two really have devastated fans 
more than anything recently. Green, there's the connection they have there because he is our guy, drafted, you know, uh, number five overall, came up through the system. He's so far this year done everything we've wanted him to do. He's been what we've wanted him to be, turning the corner, becoming potentially a franchise player, and and, and he's out. And, and well, I have zero doubts that Riley Green will come back and be fine, be very productive, can still be a star in this league. It, let's say it is six weeks for a young player. That is a big deal because that's six weeks in which you're not getting the reps in. You're not becoming as familiar with pitchers. You're not uh, uh, your strike zone recognition isn't seeing any sort of improvement because you're rehabbing from an injury. So uh, it just extends his development here. I have no real long-term concerns. I'm starting to, because this is the second major injury he's had, have some long-term concerns about durability and and, and him in center field. I mean, he w- did not start the uh, season last year on the major league roster because he had a broken foot. As far as Erod goes, there's other things in play there. Um, it stinks because he's pitched wonderful this year. And, and I think really it's been one of the more uplifting stories that we've seen here in a minute that this guy who was, you know, put through the ringer last year uh, and, and some of it deserving, some of it not, who has come back and been exponentially better than any of us expected him uh, to be. There's so many different things in play here when you talk about the trade deadline, when you talk about the division where they're at right now. I guess the, the one thing that I could say that I think all Detroit sports fans can agree upon is that uh, meaningful baseball is an addicting thing. And, and I people can, can poo-poo the record and the division all they want, but the truth is you can say factually that this baseball team Start, uh, came into Memorial Day with one game out of first and all of us were giddy and they were playing well. I just, it sucks to see that, that rug be pulled out from under you. Cause I did think even with the hard stretch they had coming up, they had a few more weeks of, okay, we're in this. You know, I, I figured that they would a- a hit a slide at some point to see these guys be taken out the way that they have for what appears to be, you know, a, a, a fair, you know, amount of time. It's just, I mean, the word is just devastating, man. It's just, it's, it's a frustrating thing to deal with as a fan. I know it's frustrating for these players. And from a clubhouse morale standpoint, it's got to be devastating as well. These guys were two of your workhorses and have been uh, green for such a young player, seems to have established himself as genuinely one of the leaders in that clubhouse as well. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it sounds so archaic to just say, or, or simplistic to say that it stinks, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think I could speak for all fans and say right now that uh, it stinks. Cause even if this team did hit a wall at some point, we were looking forward to and have enjoyed seeing the development of Riley green and Spencer Torkelson. Well, for an indefinite amount of time now that will not be seen. We're talking to Chris Castellani. So when we go back 48 hours, and I think a lot of Tigers fans would prefer to go back 48 hours and just try to hit the reset button. You know, if you watch Chris's videos on social media, particularly on Twitter, Instagram, places like that, one of the things that you probably noticed is that over the last so many years, all those words, frustrating, especially one of the words that you just used, has probably been right at the forefront because it almost probably felt like you were making the same video each and every single night oh, yeah. for a long period of time. So, yeah. you know, after kind of feeling like you had been beating yourself over the head the same way over and over, you know, this season was not exactly that experience. And I I know we're in the situation we're in right now, but just to get to that point where you're at that one game back spot, where you're around 500, you wanted this team to just be competitive for a change. And they were. How much for you personally was this breath of fresh air needed? Yeah. Let me, let me go be a little bit more hopeful here for a second and say Mm -hmm. that I have still 
gotten substantially more enjoyment out of the first 50 plus games of this season than any season in which I've started uh, in which I've done uh, these videos starting uh, back on Twitter in 2017. I am even with the injuries and even with this potential slide that might be coming up because of these injuries. I am still uh, very pleased with the development of um, uh, uh, with the development within this organization. I, I think offensively, look, that it, there's there's a lack of talent pretty much everywhere across the diamond, you could argue, at this point, or, or at the very least, inexperience. But I think the approaches compared to where they were like, I mean, I made a joke in my video a few days ago last year. I mean, to get uh, to get a guy to second base, you, know, you had to wait like uh, in a, every election cycle to see that. Now, look, they're getting yeah. guys on base. You're seeing Green hit the ball well. McKinstry's been a phenomenal pickup from the scrap heap. Like there's been some really positive things. And even with these injuries, I, I really I want to drive home the point that I am more hopeful about the Detroit Tigers right now than I have been uh, in a long time, because I, I've made this argument before. I think that when you are a team that is building slash rebuilding, you can lose games and still play winning baseball. And I feel like over these last six, seven years, winning baseball has not been something that we've seen very much of uh, at all. We've seen sloppy play, poor fundamentals, very poor at bats, chasing pitches out of the zone. And I'm not saying that those issues don't still exist, but they are not as persistent as they've been over the last several years. I, I made a video about this last week. Even if this team loses 90 games this year, um, I still am am happy with the direction that the organization is going in because I feel like there are basic things that we have not seen over these last several years that we're starting to see. So I don't I don't want to make it seem like the sky is completely falling down. I'm generally speaking quite happy with what I've seen. It's been a banged up team. You knew that they were banged up coming into the year, but we had a lot of question marks. How are they going to uh, put together this bullpen? Well, the bullpen's been pretty darn good, even with some guys that you did not expect uh, to be great. You know, where is the production in the lineup going to come from? Well, McKinstry's been excellent green had been excellent there is still hope here this is a devastating setback but as as a whole i am i am pleased with the organizational development i i feel like this extends even beyond the um major leagues it goes down to the minor leagues as well when you see some of the numbers that these guys are 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 putting up so but no hope is by all means uh lost there is still there are still things to look forward to here it's just so disappointing that uh two guys who had been even more than that even veerling who who has moments this year uh, and carrie carpenter who's been out for a while these guys that you you were seeing positive things out of um now have to uh have to sit out for a while that's the frustrating part but as a whole right now pass fail um i am i am happier with what i've seen this season than i expected to be has the last 24 hours changed your viewpoint on how they should handle buying or selling at the deadline? I think it's going to make Scott Harris's decision a lot easier because I've been asked this question all the time. And the, the, my, um, my, uh, my response has been ask me in a week because I don't know. Like people, people have said to me, if we're X amount of games out, um, at, at the deadline, what do we do? And I, I truly haven't had an answer because it's a it is a bizarre lightning in a bottle circumstance in which you can realistically play 500 or even sub 500 baseball and by the deadline be out of it. Uh, or I'm sorry, by the deadline, still be close to first place. Uh, it's a bizarre situation. My guess, based on what I think, where I think this thing is going, based on the injuries, is that come deadline time, uh, that smoke will clear uh, quite a bit. I am not, you know, and I will, I will continue to not be someone who's in favor of a full on 
uh, circa 2017 type of fire sale. I believe that there are pieces here, some healthy, some injured, who can be on this roster when the next time this team makes the playoffs. That's why, and, and we'll give it a few weeks before I really kind of argue about it, but that's why I'm not really in favor of trading some of the back-end relievers you have. I think these guys can be good for a long time here and uh, can help you know can help you potentially at some point in, in a pennant chase. Erod will be the tipping point, and I think that, once again, Scott Harris's decision has been made easier uh, with this injury because he's pitching out, he's pitched out of his mind. The numbers, even when he when he comes back, the numbers are going to be the same. I mean, the numbers are still elite. He's been fantastic this year. Will probably be the subject to change, the best pitcher on the market. So I um I, I it's changed how I feel a little bit because I truly if if I felt like this team was in position to fight for and win the division at the deadline, I would not be in favor of selling. Like you only have so many opportunities. Uh, the the uh, Phillies won 86 games last year and made it to the World Series, but I think the that things are becoming a little bit clearer with uh, with the injuries right now. Now, look, weirder things have happened. If if these guys get injured and this team is still playing, you know, solid baseball over the next two weeks, and then you get these guys back, it becomes a different story. But uh, if it goes the way I think it's going to go. I think that there will be some sort of unloading of assets at the deadline, but I think people who are afraid that we're going to be seeing, um, you know, everyone be gone, star players be gone. I don't believe that's the case. I think Erod is an extraordinary circumstance because of the contract and because of the fact that he's pitched well above his pay grade so far beyond that. I, I don't think that we're going to see the Tigers be huge movers and shakers at the deadline. Chris Castellani, Barstool Sports, joining us here on the huge show here, hour one here on Wednesday. You mentioned that they have pieces, and I want to talk about matchups in just a minute. But for a moment, let me push back on relievers and the pieces you said you don't want to move. I mean, isn't developing pitching, specifically relief pitching, one of, if not the strongest points for the Tigers organizationally right here and now? Think about Joe Jimenez, Frank Soto, able to turn those players, flip those players into assets. What's keeping you from wanting to continue to do that? Um, well, that, look, that's a very fair question. And if there's one thing that I've seen from this organization uh, so far this season, and really over the last several years, it's that you have a pitching coach who can kind of take anyone and turn them into a serviceable reliever. Um, the, it, the issue, the difference between potentially selling this year and last year is I felt like even if Gregory Soto continued to peak, even if Joe Jimenez continued to peak, this team was so far away. I think I don't think given the division they play in, and given some of the talent they have coming in, I don't think you're as far away as people think. If Scott Harris knows how to develop players, we could be looking at a real solid core here as early as next year. Now, I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs next year. I just think there's a core by next season. I believe that core can include Alex Lang. Like in general, Dan, I am, I would absolutely be in favor of, of unloading relievers at the deadline if it was a Soto or a Joe Jimenez or, you know, a, a heavy majority of the relievers that uh, are, are available at deadlines year in and year out. I legitimately think, though, with Alex Lang especially, that you have somebody who can be in like a, a Craig Kimbrell type, a Kenley Jansen in, in their prime type of like four, five, six years in a row. This is the last guy you want to face coming out of the pen. <clears throat> I, I did not. Uh, I know I've had my fun with Gregory Soto, but I acknowledge Gregory Soto was a good major league reliever with a lower ceiling because how, of how wild he was. They sold high on him. I totally agreed with that with somebody like Lang. It's just, I, I'm not against it if the hall is there, but um, I just, I think that you have potentially the best closer if in the American league, if not the second 
you know, and you're even with all your struggles and injuries, you're two games out of first. If you run it back next year, you could surprise some people and guess what? You got an elite closer. So there are definitely arguments to be made on both sides. And I got to also reiterate here. Um, if, in two weeks from now, my opinion could be completely different. If two weeks from now, mm-hmm. I don't see, I don't see a future as bright as uh, I see today, then I'll, I'll change my stance on it. I mean, last year I was kind of in, uh, in that camp too, of like, don't unload. Like, what's the point? You're not going to get much. And then by the time we got to the deadline, I was just like, fine, let, let's do it. So opinions very much subject to change. I'm assessing this, you know, just post Memorial day here, by the time the, the dog days of summer come around, I could be, you know, uh, singing a different tune. So we'll see. It's good because that gives me an excuse to have you on in two more weeks. We're talking to Chris Castellani. So we're, we're, you mentioned that they have pieces. And one of the things that I've noticed this year, because talking about just, okay, what are the organizational strengths for this team? Uh, we've seen it with Chris Satter. We've seen it with his ability to build yes. relievers. But it feels like this year, more than in some past years, they are really all in headfirst on matchups, platoons, splits. It just feels like every lineup is the most fluid situation. And to me, I'm starting to get to this point where I'm thinking, okay, this is where they've decided that they can win. I mean, Scott Harris talked about, you know, winning in the margin, right? This is starting to feel like one of those margins that they kind of take, put a lot of stock in. What's your read on what they've been able to do from that standpoint? It's I, I approve of it. Sometimes, because I think that there are instances in which guys are sat against lefties for, you know, like I understand that maybe their career numbers aren't great, but you know, like to me last night, you have Zach McKinstry who cannot get out right now. And uh, I know he ended up pinch hitting, but like you, you sat him to start the game. Sometimes I don't like it. At the same time, I do think coming into the year, I truly don't believe Scott Harris's message or what he was trying to do was tank. I really do believe there's a legitimate effort night in and night out to try to win games. And I think that with him and AJ kind of at the helm here, uh, I think that they've uh, viewed things as look, we're, we're, Night in and night out, we are not going to be the most talented team. But if we can play smarter than the other team, uh, it gives us an advantage. I think that's why you've seen so many different lineups, so many different lineup changes, so many platoon situations. I think that they, as an organization, have keyed in on that. And uh, my guess is they want to be uh, very similar to something like what the Dodgers do. When you look at the makeup of the Dodgers roster, yes, you have Freeman and Betts and J.D. Martinez, but that roster is loaded with utility players, who either crush lefties or crush righties. And a lot of them, you know, only play every other day. I I mean, they have a very deep lineup. I think that's what the Tigers are going for here. They're not just trying to assemble a one through nine of guys that are going to hit every day. They want to have 13, 14 guys as a whole that you can kind of, you know, pick and choose where you play them in the field and pick and choose where you put them in the lineup. I think long-term that will pay off. I think that uh, it's been frustrating this year because the the roster has been so, so limited offensively over the last several seasons. But I think that's something they've definitely honed in on it, trying to be smarter. And ultimately look at Scott Harris's philosophy, I think is something that's been preached uh, to no end, which is we want to dominate the strike zone. And the way you do that is by, putting hitters in the lineup who give you the best chance of doing that. And so I think that they've really honed in on that with the platoon matchups. I I can be split on it sometimes, but the science behind it, I have zero issue with, you know, you, you need to try. It's almost that money ball principle. Like we need to try to win smarter as opposed to being richer. Cause we're not, you know, we just, we just don't have the, 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 uh, the players right now. Uh, so it's, it's an interesting thing. It's open. There's been a lot of discussion about it on, on social media and everything as well. But I think at the very least, 
it gives me hope that there is a plan here. Like there's an identity of what this organization is trying to be. And that is exciting. Why is the rest of the AL central so bad? Um, It's a good question. The reason truly is because it's the one division where people just don't uh, spend a whole lot of money. That's, that's the answer. You look at, we, because people compare it to the AL East, right? The team that's in last place right now in the AL East, I believe would be in first place in the central. Well, the Yankees are the Yankees. They still, they still spend a ton of money. Uh, The Blue Jays have spent uh, the Red Sox. while maybe not the way that their fans have wanted them to uh, still spend. Uh, The Orioles are, haven't spent a ton, but they have a great young core and they're going to at some point. And then you have the Rays who are obviously the outlier of outliers. It's kind of crazy what happens when teams spend money. Like, look at what the Rangers have done. The Rangers lost, I believe, 100-plus games two years ago. You get Semyon, you get Seager, you add, all of a sudden you're a team that's in first place. I think that it's just a division full of owners that are kind of scared to to throw their hat into the ring here. Like, Minnesota's thrown out a contract here or there. I know they got Correa. Uh, Cleveland's thrown one out here or there. But I think that it's a combination of teams that are just trying to win uh, in a way that's more thrifty as opposed to a way that uh, that is is easier with uh, spending money. I, I think in this instance, it's a bizarre circumstance. I do think that water will find its level to a certain extent because – a year ago at this point, we were kind of saying the same stuff, and Cleveland did end up winning 90 games and gave the Yankees a heck of a run in the ALDS. So it wouldn't shock me if we see that again. Um, it's just it's just one of those strange circumstances where everyone is mediocre uh, within the division. And uh, I don't see that changing that much this year. I think uh, with the scheduling change, too, I think that's another big part of it. With the scheduling change, uh, you can't beat up on uh, the Royals uh 18 times a year. You can't beat up on your, the lower level teams in your division 18 times a year. You're still going to play them a fair amount, but with you playing everybody. Yeah. I don't, I think 85 wins might win this division. It's, it's frustrating because I've seen this division be very competitive in the past. I remember 06 when you had three really good teams, you know, fighting for it. Uh, I just think that it's, it's a matter of certain teams are just kind of afraid to throw their hat into the ring. Like there's no reason why the Cleveland guardians shouldn't be spending a lot of money right now, at least be in the top 15 in payroll with the core, core they have. They haven't done it. And uh, because of that, the division as a whole has been uh, pretty, you know, pretty underwhelming. Let's take a time out. Chris Castellani, Barstool Sports. He's on Twitter at Castellani 2014. We've got Chris here for the 3 p.m. hour. We'll take a break and then come back as you are listening to The Huge Show here on a Wednesday afternoon. From Detroit to Petoskey, this show is huge. Hey, it's Brett with the Michigan Sports Network. It's now time to step into a world of nonstop action on the DraftKings Casino app. Play the classics like blackjack, roulette, and slots, plus enjoy exclusive games you can't find anywhere else. Right now, new customers who deposit at least $5 can get a match on their first deposit and score up to $2,000 in casino bonus funds. All you have to do is sign up using promo code HUGE and start playing from a full suite of games. Your way is the only way to play on DraftKings Casino. Play online on your time, in your space, and within your means. It's safe, secure, and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Casino app now and sign up with promo code HUGE and get a match on your first deposit of $5 or more up to $2,000 in casino bonus funds. Only on the DraftKings Casino app with promo code HUGE. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services Gambling Disorder Helpline at 1-800-270-7117. 21 and up, Michigan only, one per opted-in customer. Minimum $5 deposit, max match $2,000. 
Deposit and bonus amount require 15 times playthrough within 30 days. See terms at casino.draftkings.com slash players choice. Restrictions apply. Huge here for the Michigan High School Athletic Association. You can stay up to date on the latest from Lansing 24-7 at MHSAA.com. At MHSAA on Twitter and MHSAA on Facebook. The latest news Press releases and stories connected to every high school in the state of Michigan available for you 24-7 from the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Log on to MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, and MHSAA on Facebook. And if you're looking for archive boys and girls, high school sports, MHSAA.com. TV. That's MHSAA.TV. 24-7, everything you need to know about high school sports in Michigan. Log on to MHSAA.com. Disturbed, the Take Back Your Life Tour. Labor Day Monday, September 4th at Soaring Eagle. And same show, same night, Stained. Tickets start at $34 and on sale now at the Soaring Eagle box office or etix.com. Party hard, rock harder. It's been a while. Disturbed and stained. Labor Day Monday, part of the Soaring Eagle Summer Outdoor Concert Series. Drive for a cause at Mini on the Mac on August 4th and 5th. Hundreds of Mini Cooper owners will come together at the world-famous Mackinac Bridge. You can register now at MiniOnTheMac.com to be a part of this one-of-a-kind event. That's MiniOnTheMac.com. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. show rolls on the 3 p.m. hour, hour number one, as we navigate the absolute mess that the Detroit Tigers have found themselves in over the last 24 hours. 3 p.m. hour, our guest is Chris Castellani of Barstool Sports joining us. Chris, again, thanks for doing this. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, they only get you in about four-minute excerpts every single day. So it's fun to actually get you for an hour. Yeah, I mean that's all they need. But yeah, I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you having me on here. Obviously, I could talk Tigers till I'm blue in the face. So yeah, and see, and this is the thing about you. And you know, you've come to the ballpark in West Michigan. You've sat in the booth with me. We, we've had opportunities. And one of the things that I love about when I get time with you like this is that I don't have to write anything down. I don't have to prepare anything. It's literally just the conversation. And you you just know that when it's somebody like you, we're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about. Not not if, you know, somebody, you know, gets hurt and ends up on the injured list, but you know, you are passion embodied for the tigers. And I think so many people are just so refreshed or have been so refreshed this year that the Tigers actually have done something positive. So as we get into kind of the nuts and bolts as to what happens now, I am curious because there are a couple of pretty good feel good stories from this particular first, what, 60 game stretch yeah. to you. What's the best story? Zach McKinstry. Because it's the best story, in my opinion, not just for him personally, because on its own, it's great. You have a kid, Got cut by two teams, 
released by uh, the Dodgers, went to Central Michigan, right? Fire up chips. The guy was, uh, you know, gets to the Tigers. He was a guy that I I know one of my coworkers uh, who was uh, a big Cubs fan said, Scott Harris loved this guy when he was with the Cubs, comes back around organizationally. That gives me so much hope because I think that when you look at the best organizations in baseball right now, Astros, the Rays, the Dodgers, the Braves, what? Yeah, of course, we know they have a lot of superstars, but they also have these guys who they take off the scrap heap and they turn into really good players. Max Muncy with the Dodgers being like the ultimate example. The, the A's, it was an afterthought with the A's. They picked him up. He's turned into a star. So seeing a guy who the rest of baseball had kind of given up on having, you know, up to this point, like close to an all-star caliber campaign, uh, that's fantastic. That's That gives me so much hope for the future because it it makes me believe that Scott Harris is good at the one thing, uh, the number one thing Al Avila failed at, which is, uh, talent recognition and talent development. I think that's insanely important. And and just in general, I think the story, his own personal story coming, coming back here, Detroit as a fan base, we love uh, scrappy guys that came out of nowhere. So like he, I feel like much like Eric Haas two years ago, who's, who continues to you know be productive for the Tigers. Uh, you have that right now with McKinstry. And so that, that to me is the number one story. Cause I look looking up and down this roster and the guys who have performed, I didn't think it was out of the realm of possibility that that green would be really good. I didn't think it was out of the realm of possibility that Erod would, would return to form. I did not have Zach McKinstry uh, putting up an 860 OPS on my 2023 bingo card. So I think there's so many reasons, even if it doesn't last, there's so many, there's so many reasons to be excited about uh, the future of the organization. Cause it's clear you have a president of baseball ops who has a solid eye for talent. I think we can agree. Eduardo Rodriguez will likely opt out of his contract. That, that's a pretty safe bet, even regardless of the injury that just put him on the injured list. Talk to me about Javi Baez. What is there any chance that Javi Baez does the same thing? No, none. I, I mean, I don't, unless he's the only way, and this would, I think, be the first time in major, in major league history that this happened. The only way would it would be if he's so unhappy in Detroit that he decides I will take a substantial uh, or a substantially uh, substantially less money uh, to play somewhere else. I do. I just do not see that happening. I think he's comfortable with his contract. I do not see him opting out like I I have never seen in my life. And maybe maybe there's somebody I'm missing a player opt out of a big contract after having the two worst years of their career. It just wouldn't make any sense. I think at some point and it won't be this year, it won't be this year because there's just not enough depth yet. And there's not really any anybody who can replace him yet. At some point, if this continues with him. I think what would be more likely is that some sort of discussion would be had about some mutual parting of ways in which you dump him for some minor league prospect and eat some percentage of the contract. I do not see that happening this year. I don't even really see it happening in the offseason. I don't think it would happen until probably next deadline. Uh, but right now, I would I would put it at close to a 0% chance Javi opts out. The only way that changes is if he does something similar to what he did with the Mets two years ago, where he goes nuts for two months, that baseball reference page looks a lot juicier than it did earlier in the year. And he starts to, at least for in the short term, revert back to the player he was with the Cubs and in the second half with the Mets. But I, man, I just think that is such a long shot that I can't even, uh, I can't even make that prediction. So right now I would say if there's any Tigers fans holding out hope of, of a hobby bias opt out, I would, I would say that that hope is, is falsely placed. I do not, See that happening. 
I still think it's much more likely that he opts in. For what it's worth, there are no shortstops available on the free agent market this coming offseason. So if he wants to be the best of that bunch and somebody's willing to pay it, that's probably his best angle. That's the only thing that I think possibly becomes a determining factor. But to your point, I think he's going to have a hard time getting the contract that he can lock himself into if he stays at Detroit. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely with you. I just, even, even with you, what you just said, now somebody tweeted that at me uh, today about the fact that he's basically the only shortstop on the market. I still per year, just do not see him getting the money that he's going to be earning in Detroit over the next several seasons. So yeah, I, I don't really see it happening. So you talked about navigating a tough situation. You probably know how this kind of you know coalesces into another Tigers player. Right now, I mean, essentially the Tigers have themselves a $32 million hitting coach in yeah. Miguel Cabrera. So trying to find a way to, to navigate what's been obviously, you know, when we all saw this coming, you know, it's funny because, you know, I'm a little bit older than you. And I remember when Juan Gonzalez yeah. was a Detroit Tiger. And I remember the massive contract offer that he turned down. And I'm looking at it. And of course, Miguel Cabrera has a much more significant place in Tigers history. So it's kind of in that way, comparing apples to oranges. But this is what I think that would have looked like had Juan Gonzalez signed that ridiculous contract offer. So now you've got, you know, all these years at the back end for a crazy amount and you're just not getting a whole lot. And we've known that it's been heading this way for a while. So I mean, if I give the keys to Chris Castellani, how are you navigating this to its proper conclusion? Well, the way I would have navigated it was, and you can't you know, go back in time, the way I would have navigated it is I would have pulled him aside at the end of last season and uh, really probably in the second half of last season and said, hey, we appreciate everything you've done here. We are going to pay you next year's salary. Don't worry about that. You're going to get paid in full, but we're going to spend the, the, the latter part of the 2022 season uh, celebrating your career. You've gotten to 3000, you got to 500 last year's team, especially, I mean, you could argue by May, but especially by, by the end of of the season, very few people were going to the park. We're going to make this the Miguel Cabrera celebration. You'll get your send off. We have a new president of baseball ops here. We're trying to develop a new young core. You can have a job within the organization. You are welcome to be here as long as you want. But we just feel like as an organization right now, the major league roster is probably better looking elsewhere. I don't know if he would have agreed to it. I don't know if that would have made him mad. That's how I would have chosen to go about it. So coming into this year and seeing what he's done, it's one of those things where it's not. I see a lot of people getting mad at Miggy. It's not a Miggy problem. Miggy is one of the greatest hitters of all time. The decline was obvious, right? We knew that this would happen this year. I don't think it's an effort thing. Like, look, he, he ripped two hits last night. I, his biggest issue is he didn't take great care of his body and, he, and his knees don't work at this point. Like, he can't lift the ball. But it's he's going out there putting in the reps. I have no issue with that. I think at this point, and people have asked me about it, I am 100% certain he finishes the season. Unless he voluntarily says, I can't play anymore. The truth is their biggest marketing ploy this year, if you watch any little bit of television, 
uh, has been Miguel Cabrera, has been his send off, the retirement tour. You know, you have the signs out by the statues. Every time he gets a hit, you add to it. Uh, teams are giving him gifts. Like this was all, this was their big selling point this year. You're not going, you're not going to just say, all right, see you later to the guy that is probably the number one reason, you know, at least in the early part of the season, uh, why people were, were coming to the park. I think the only way that, uh, he doesn't finish the season is if he pulls a Ken Griffey Jr. and says, hey, you know, I just don't think I can perform anymore. I don't want to do this. I don't think that happens because I still think he loves the game of baseball. I still think he loves being in the dugout and loves putting in the work. I just think father time caught up to him. So, yeah, I mean, the way I would manage it now, I would do the same thing. I'd pull him aside and say, like, what do you think is best for you in the organization? But to me, uh, to me, they screwed up in the sense that where they, those decisions or those conversations should have happened was last season because I feel like right now if you uh you're not going to release them but if there's some sort of parting of ways halfway through his last season uh, I I don't I know how I'd react to it I'd be okay with it but I don't know how the public would react to it because I do know of multiple people and this is this is true who have bought tickets just for his last game like uh, from a marketing standpoint not even including the baseball stuff I don't know if it would be a good idea and I'm only speaking about that from a business perspective I know how how I'd handle it it's sad to me the whole thing cuz Amigi at his peak was was an unstoppable force and to see him out there you know it's being just a, I mean he's a shell of a shell of himself I mean he's a copy of a copy it's sad I I will view this last these last few years with him um, not fondly because you're seeing a guy that at one point you believed was invincible, just kind of, you know, uh, you know, slog his way to the finish line. I think that's disappointing. I don't really have the, the fun with it that some other people do seeing them, you know, just climb up these leaderboards. But yeah, I think at this point, uh, their bet is kind of made. I think he finishes out the season and AJ is going to play him a few times a week and, uh, they'll just, uh, give him the send off at the end of the year. I'd imagine that many Tigers fans, know of Miguel Cabrera being this version of himself on the decline or the player we have now longer than they knew of him as that dominant transcendent player. How much has this, this, this decline affected his legacy? Yeah. I think it's affected it way more than people let on way more than people let on because like Miguel Cabrera's career numbers speak for themselves. Okay. He is a first ballot hall of famer who is in my lifetime, the greatest tiger I've ever seen. And maybe in, uh, offensively will be the greatest tiger I've ever seen. Just amazing in his prime, but he is, he's played 16 years here in seven of those years, almost half. He was a below replacement level player. This isn't like, you know, somebody in the, like Ozzie Smith, his last few years when he was in St. Louis, where he just had no offense, uh, at, at all, it, you know, declining. This is a long stretch. I mean, this is, uh, he started struggling here at the beginning of the rebuild. We're, uh, you know, we've changed GMs. There's been a whole lot of change in the organization. He still continued, uh, to struggle. I, I mean, I, I think that it does have a greater impact than people think. Does it take away from any of the accomplishments? No, but I, I that's a really great point that you bring up because I was born in 1995. Somebody who was born in uh, 2005, right, who became a Tigers uh, player, you know, when they were when they were growing up, the, the version of Miguel Cabrera that they know of is the one that we've seen since 2017. Does it mean that he's undeserving of the accolades he gets? No, not at all. The, the numbers speak for themselves. But yeah, I, it's it's changed the way I viewed things. And it really and again, I, I want to stress it really has very little to do with with him more so as just that contract and the fact that father time caught up to him. But I, I do think that uh, that that when you tell the story of Miguel Cabrera's career, 
that part that part of it has to be included. I mean, when we talk about uh, Albert Pujols, we include the fact that he had some pretty bad years in Los Angeles. I think that there's a pretty uh, similar arc, sadly, when it comes to discussing Miguel Cabrera's legacy. It was all great. It was incredible, as good as we've seen. But these last several years, you know, they they could have done without. I've heard some people, actually a, a handful of people now, say if the Tigers are going to keep Miguel Cabrera, who's actively hurting his team when he plays, well, then I can't take this team seriously as a contender at any level. Agree or disagree? Yeah, no, I agree. I I agree with that. And it's honestly, I think there's multiple players on the roster that you could say that about, but it is what made this little mini run that they had where they got one game back. So, so interesting because it's like, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think that there is one team right now that uh, would, would put, you know, consider putting him in the lineup or consider using him as a pinch hitter. And it's the tigers. And I I'm not from, from the business standpoint, I'm not mad about it, but no, I do agree. Like, I think that uh, it would be a, a much different uh, circumstance. Um, if, uh, if this team was really, really competitive right now, I don't know if he'd be here. They know that they can get more people to the park celebrating the retirement tour. And that's what we've gotten. Even though Riley Green's not playing, are you still going to wear the Riley Green bucket hat in your next trip to Comerica? Oh, dude, yeah. Honestly, I've thought of, I've toyed with the idea of adding it to my post-game attire. Um, with, (laughs) with, with the blazer and with the, the Tigers pin and the Batman pin. I think I'm going to, I'm going to put it, I'm going to have an empty chair with, with the floppy hat on it for the time being the second he comes off the IL. Uh, we can do something with it, but no, I, I, it's, it's ironic because two years ago I was at uh, a game at Comerica against the, the uh, Blue Jays and I've had a, an orange Tigers floppy hat in the back of my car for about two years now. So that will, uh, it will join my wardrobe there and may potentially be a part of my post game attire and at some point in the future. Well, look, I, first of all, you know, I, I want to see this team do well. I've had the good fortune of seeing it. Although I was born in 1985, so I came in right after the World Series. And you've never gotten a chance to see a World Series. We're both in that same boat. And I know there's a lot of people that feel like they want to see the Tigers be successful for many reasons. And I think for those people, you're one of those reasons. I think people want to see it, not only for them, but for people like you as well. Chris Castellani, you can find him on Twitter at Castellani2014. Again, Chris, thank you very much for spending some time with us. This has been a great hour. Again, I don't have to prepare a single thing when CC shows up. So you're the man. Appreciate you taking the time. Appreciate it. Thank you. That is Chris Castellani. We'll take one more time out, then we'll wrap up this 3 p.m. hour. Then we'll get you all set for the 4 o'clock hour. Don't forget, Brian Pena, the West Michigan Whitecaps manager, the former Detroit Tiger, will talk to us a little bit about just kind of the inner workings of Detroit Tigers player development and how that's changed over the course of the last couple of seasons. A lot of big differences within that system. How have they affected things internally? We'll find out coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. But for now, we'll step aside. We'll have one more quick segment as we wrap up the 3 p.m. hour here on The Huge Show. Everything huge, 24-7 at thehugeshow.net. We might have just come out with our most refreshing Michelob Ultra Organic Seltzer yet. It's called the Essential Collection. It's made with coconut water and real fruit juice. So it's always going to have a real refreshing fruit taste. Can refreshing get any more refreshing? Yep, it can and it just did. Michelob Ultra Organic Seltzer, made with coconut water and real fruit juice for superior taste. It's only worth it if you enjoy it.
Enjoy responsibly. Anheuser-Busch Michelob Ultra Organic Seltzer. IRC Beer, St. Louis, Missouri. We play for the thrill. That rush you feel with the game on the line. I'm Herman Moore, Lions All-Pro Wide Receiver. Now, with Eagle Casino and Sports, the new sportsbook app from Soren Eagle, anywhere I'm at, I'm still in the game. Sign up now and get up to $1,000. That's right, up to $1,000 for a risk-free bet on your next favorite underdog parlay or prop. Eagle Casino and Sports. Made in Michigan, made for Michigan. Must be 21 or older than Michigan to play. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. Wrapping up hour number one here on The Huge Show. Again, a big thanks to Chris Castellani of Barstool Sports for spending some time with us. You can follow Chris on Twitter at Castellani2014. Odds are you're probably already following him. A huge thanks to Chris for hanging out with us here on hour number one. By the way, all Wednesday editions of The Huge Show are presented by the MHS. Coming up in hour number two, we'll talk Detroit Lions and we'll kind of see where things sit now that the dust is almost settled. I know the Lions have some cap space left, so we're going to talk about that, jump into what you want to see them do with that cap space and how you're feeling about this team post-draft. Now that the dust is really settled on draft day, we'll talk about that as well. I wasn't totally sold on what the Lions did on draft night, and now the question becomes, are you coming around to it? Also coming up, we'll talk to Brian Pena, former Detroit Tigers catcher, current manager in the Tigers minor league system. We'll see how life has changed post Al Avila and into the era of Scott Harris. Much more to come in the 4 p.m. hour as a Wednesday edition of The Huge Show presented by the MHSAA continues. Big. Bad. Huge.